Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. I have to admit that I am a, a I like Instagram, and I'm doing my normal looking through Instagram, and I see this crazy story of some snowboarder who was buried in snow, and a skier saw him, and the skier happened to have a camera on. This thing has been all over the place; it's gone viral, apparently, and. Uh, I just had to find out who was this guy that was buried in the snow and how that affected him. And so today on the show, we've got Ian Steger, who is that guy. Good morning. Hey, man. Thank you again for coming on the, the podcast and, and uh, letting us dig into the, to the story. So I guess the, the, the thing I'm so curious about is how did you wind up buried in the snow like that? Yeah, I I wonder that myself a lot. Because um, <laughs> I'm a uh, snowboarder, so, so I mean, okay, so yeah, you're, you're a snowboarder and, yeah. and you're familiar with what tree wells are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you know, tree wells are are something that's always a risk when you're riding in the backcountry. I mean, not only in the backcountry when you're riding you know, inbounds and and uh, for those people that they are, you know, basically it is a hole that develops around the trunks of of usually evergreen trees but big conifer trees um, because low-hanging branches don't allow the snow to fall into that area so so you have this this radius of of kind of unpacked really light very fluffy snow. Yeah. yeah or or just a hole in general um that you if you get too close they can really suck you in and, and uh i've been riding at mount baker um for my whole life i'm 40 now and and i think my dad took me up there when i could barely walk uh, so you know i've been riding in those trees for years you know i was foolish enough to to know the risks of tree walls but to think that uh something like that could never happen to me and, and we were in an area that was just slightly out of bounds at mount baker and we had gone through these trees hundreds of times in my life and it was a you know a little backstory on the conditions for that day the, the week it had just been dumping snow all week i think they got four weeks of, or four feet of snow in about five days wow so it was it was deep and and it was cold and so so i mean it was perfect snow conditions and you know we try to get to this area which is which is kind of a high traverse. And if there's not a track out there with how deep it is, it's pretty hard to get to. So we, we couldn't get to the spot we were going. So we came in a little bit lower and, and cut hard into the, this grouping of trees. Um, once we got in there, I picked the line and, and that looked good that had no tracks down it and, and committed. And, and, you know, when I went through, the trees were so narrow that you kind of had to really pick and choose where you were putting your turns. Right. And, and as a result, I was kind of gaining speed and gaining more speed as I was going through these groupings. And so I kind of chose this really narrow, tight hallway in between these two trees. And right as I went through, I went to make a, a hard turn to, to speed check to slow down. And as soon as I did that and it was on my tail, everything behind me collapsed. And I ended up falling backwards into this hole you know, where, where you see me in the video. Oh, okay. So I just, for whatever, I assumed you had fallen forward and dove in. 
Yeah, I think that's cool. And that's that's what's most common, you know, in any other tree well experience where I've been involved in where I've seen someone else go into a tree well or myself as I've gone in. Um, it's usually someone kind of out of control uh, going at high speeds from above and then falling. Right. Kind of cartwheeling and then ending up headfirst into a, into a tree well um, for catching their edge right around a tree and then falling and sliding in headfirst. But yeah, mine was crazy. There, there must've been a hole under that new snow just being held up by some branches. And so as soon as the weight of myself and my board went over it, that whole hole opened up and then just swallowed me. Wow. So were you with it? Was there, were there friends with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you're riding in the backcountry, um, and this is important for us to, uh, the whole reason that we shared this video, Francis and I was just to kind of raise awareness of the backcountry and, uh, the risks of the backcountry and making sure you're prepared when you're out there. So, so yeah, when you go out of bounds, um, you need to have a partner with you. You need to have the proper gear, which is a backpack, shovel probes, um, uh, an avalanche transceiver and you know, preferably a radio. I wouldn't go out there with, without a two-way radio to communicate with people. Um, and then good knowledge of the local conditions and the terrain. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the guys I was out there with, I mean, we have a combined, I think a hundred years of riding, you know, wow. we've been all riding, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30, 30 years ish. Yeah. Um, and, it just ha- so happened that when I went down this kind of tight group of the trees, the next person who was behind me, they followed me, but just how the trees were laid out, they veered left slightly. And then the next person you know, behind them kind of veered off to the left a little bit. And we were all within, I would say probably 15 feet of each other. But as you're going through the trees, you're just like slowly losing visual with your partner for brief seconds. Sure. And, and I think that's what happened. Um, I don't fault them. at all. So they all, they all kept going. I mean, I've, yeah, I snowboard. So I understand like it, it, a a split second and someone can be 20 feet away from you all of a sudden. Exactly. And, uh, they can be, you know, 20 feet can be a big deal. You saw on the video, Francis was probably only about eight feet from me when he stopped. So he just him what? two and a half minutes to get to me yeah <laughs> so wow but, yeah so those guys were there and, and they uh you know it, it's it's just a kind of a series of unfortunate events that that happened there um after that group of trees there's this long flat flat ish powder section and um and above you is this avalanche chute so so everyone knows that that's not an area you want to be just sitting around in. right so so they, you know, what we normally do is we all come out of those trees and we ride across that, that powder field and then we regroup. And, and so I think the three of them came out of there and, you know, one of them happened to glance back and they were keeping their eye on me to see if I came out of the trees as they were riding. And when I didn't come out of the trees, they stopped and were trying to get a hold of me on the radio. And you c- couldn't move, right? I mean, what? What was going through your mind? Like right when it happened, were you just like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the first, I mean, it was crazy. One, there was literally zero time between me riding and, you know, just focusing on 
you know, where I was going and, and literally just anticipating how epic it was going to be when I got out of the <laughs> and, and then when I'm, and, and then I made that turn and then all of a sudden just darkness and, and I'm not talking about like, Oh, it's, you know, it, it's darker than being outside. It was like complete darkness. It didn't matter if my eyes were open or closed. Uh, it was exactly the same. And, and so, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll just, you know, wiggle myself out and, and, you know, reach up and, and I'll be at the surface there. And, you know, I, I could, and then when I tried to do that, I realized my hands are pinned. Like <laughs> totally like there was, you couldn't move. Yeah, it was the only thing I could move is I could move my hands, uh, in my gloves. I had mitts on Yeah, uh, and I could, and I could take, like almost like a little windshield wiper with my hands and move, you know, the snow just a little bit. It, it's when people think of snow, they're thinking, you know, snowflakes and snow angels. And, right. It's and light, really light, fluffy, you know, fluffy stuff, you know, falling out of the sky. This was more like a bag of sand being dumped on you. Right. Um, you know, hundreds of pounds of it. And, and so, yeah, so I'm fortunate one that, that when I was down there, my, one of my hands was by my face. So I could, so I could use my glove to just kind of create an air pocket, um, big enough that I could breathe. Um, but the weight, the weight of the snow itself was, was really inhibiting my chest from being able to go up and down. So that actually was the harder part of breathing was just the weight, the physical, uh, movement of my chest was really difficult. Right. Cause you um, were, you were upside down. Yeah. And, and that was, I thought that I was not upside down really. It's kind of like weird. I, I guess if you, you know, jump, you know, you dive off a cliff, you know, a cliff jumping into the water or something, or, or you jump off a cliff and you're kind of disoriented in the water and you're not sure which way is up or down. Sometimes it was kind of like that. I thought I was in kind of more like a seated hot tub position and uh, wow. that I could just, that I would be able to, you know, wiggle my feet. And then when I did that, that would kind of clear the snow off my body. And, and you know, I've been in a situation kind of before like that in a tree well. And, and fortunately I was close enough to the surface. I could kind of reach my hand up and sure. like, grabbed onto a branch and, and pulled myself out. But yeah, I, it didn't take very long for me to realize that that was a totally different experience. Um, and I had never been in a situation like this before. So you realized it was coming to you pretty clear that uh, if someone doesn't find me and dig me out, this is it. Yeah. And so, so the next thought was, all right, well, I'm stuck. I can't, I can't do anything. So, so just sit tight, stay calm and, and wait for my buddies to dig me out. Right. And so, so that's what I did. And I waited, I'm trying to gauge time and see, you know, how much time has passed in these moments and, and, um, and kind of try to rationally think of, of how long it's going to take them to get to me when they saw me go in. I was pretty convinced that they had seen me go in. Right. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, at least one of them will be here in a, in a few seconds or 30 seconds max. And, and then that didn't happen. I was like, oh, maybe they got below me a little bit and had to get back to me. And I just waited and waited. And then finally I heard you know, one of my partner's voices on the radio and, you know, asking if I was okay. And they didn't see me come out of the trees. And at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is bad because my buddies are below me now. And yeah. I don't know how far they are, but, but 
you don't have to be very far before they become irrelevant in the rescue picture. Right. And just so happened that it's Francis that you said, is his name Francis? The one that Francis. Yeah. yeah. He's just coming Francis down, sees your so, sneeze, <laughs> sees this snowboard sticking out of the snow with feet attached to it, I guess. Were, were you still attached? Yeah. Yeah. You're still attached. And that's, that's the issue. That's what makes it hard. If I wasn't attached, I, you know, you may have been able to, you know, move your legs around to create some space right. um, in that snow or at least loosen it up a little bit. But, um, but yeah, your board is just kind of like holding you like a buoy at the surface, you know, upside down. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it's the one time that, that being, having that board attached to you permanently is, is a real problem. Yeah. Did you have time to panic? I mean, did that, did, did that like rush of anxiety of I'm fucking going to die? Oh yeah. Yeah. Panic set in. So no matter what you do, I, I think, I think everyone, I mean, obviously I've never, you know, you're not down there with other people when, when they've been buried, you only hear their stories. Right. Um, but I'm sure everyone that's been buried in those moments and, and the ones that have survived have had that, that like moment of panic. And, and I had that too. And when I realized that the guys were, were below me, you know, I, I waited for a few more seconds and tried to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And, and kind of had that thought like you said, you know, I'm going to fucking die down here right. if, if I don't do this myself yeah. and get myself out. And so at that point started thrashing, trying to kick my board, trying to like wiggle my body as much as I could and do anything to create more space so that I could to do anything basically to loosen right. up my arms so I could reach toward the surface or like try to grab my pants to pull my body up or get snow under my back so that I could slowly start to elevate myself. But like any movement, just the only thing movement that happened was me sinking deeper in the snow yeah, and the snow getting tighter around my body. And that's, and my, I was just going to say my air hole, you know, started to started to collapse. And so now you're risking not being able to breathe. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how long I was trying to do that. I'm sure I wasted a lot of energy, but, but then I was like, well, and it stopped. I was like, there's no way I'm getting out of here. And at that point I accepted, okay, well, there's a good chance I'm going to die here. Yeah. The, the weird thing about it being a, being that I've uh, being a snowboarder, knowing that feeling for those that don't know, the only way I could equate it would be if you were in a pool underwater and then the water froze <laughs> it's like yeah. they don't understand like i've even had just in, i got in some deep snow and just my arms and part of my body got in the snow and i was nearly totally incapacitated it's like i couldn't you know you try to move and you like you just said i i fell deeper into the snow and i got more stuck it's not like you're down in the, like you said, making snow angels. You just quickly move that snow out of the, it's so different when it's that wet snow and you're in it, you can't move. It's like you have, you know, two grown men holding your, you know, one around your ankle and the other one holding your thigh on both legs, both arms around your torso. It, you, you're literally stuck and yeah. any movement only weirdly just makes it worse when you're really in deep in the snow it's a it's a weird 
it's a weird feeling. I remember when I first started snowboarding, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years ago now, I got off into the tree. And this is like in Colorado, like, at, you know, a major place. But I just went off the main course and same thing. We had freshly snowed all night. And so it was just the perfect, perfect snow. You know, no one else had been there. It's just fresh. It's beautiful. It's fluffy. It's just awesome. And I took a spill in there and struggled just getting my arms out. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I had yeah. to have someone come. My son had to come and pull me out just to get my arms out. It was the weirdest sensation. Uh, yeah. So I can't even imagine putting my whole body in that situation. Upside down. Yeah. Upside down. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I don't know much about this. I was curious the, on the, uh, oxygen, I, I guess your breath would melt a little bit of snow in front of your mouth, but, what is that? You're breathing. Was that carbon monoxide? I mean, you're breathing your own breath, right? So you can't last a long, long time like that. Can you? Yeah. Not that I, not that I know of, um, you know, I've, I've heard the, the general rule is, and, and there are different variables. It depends on how heavy the snow is. It depends on how big of an air pocket you have, but I've heard the general rule is about 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, that you can that you can survive down there. I think if you're upside down, that probably makes a little bit of a difference. <laughs> you have all this blood rushing to your head, right? Um, you know, a of, uh, that happened this year of a skier. I don't know if you heard about that avalanche in Japan this year. I did uh, hear about it. Yeah, it killed it killed a few people, three or four people, and and but of the total group, two people that were buried survived. One of the guys. Um, coincidentally was from Bellingham also, or Glacier, which is just wow. out of Bellingham. Okay. And, um, he, he's a professional. Skier. Uh, he was under approximately 25 minutes and survived. Wow. Um, and, and I haven't read much on the story, but it sounds like the way that he survived was just to remain calm and control his breath and just try to go into a meditative state and, and, and wait for someone to dig him out if there were able to do it. And fortunately there were. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not easy to do. I mean, like I said before, I, I freaked out, yeah. but after that it was, I'm not going to say it was peaceful, but it was, it was acceptance. I think when I accepted that I was going to die, it became, you know, just more of, okay, I'm down here and you know, how long is this going to take? Yeah. Um, because there's, there's no one coming to get me and I'm going to die here on my own mountain. <laughs> yeah. So did you hear, so, so you're, you're stuck, you've struggled. The anxiety is kicked up. You're like, crap, this is it. And you start kind of accepting it. Did you hear Francis yelling? Did you sense no, that you someone was there? No, I didn't. I didn't know anyone was there until I felt um, him grab my board the first time. When he grabbed it the first time, I thought I had imagined that that I, I you know, crazy things happen when you think you're gonna die. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm guessing. I think that's the only time. <laughs> but but, um, but yeah, so I thought I imagined it. I was like, oh well, that wasn't real. And then 
and then you can see in the video, I think he uses two hands at one point to, to grab my board to leverage himself up to get closer to me. Yeah. And when that happened, I felt I definitely knew that there was someone there. Um, and at that point, I just felt this overwhelming amount of relief because I knew I knew that I'm going to fucking live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel dizzy. So it wasn't like I wasn't at the, the, the last wire and he had to dig me out in a matter of seconds or I was going to die. I was just like, I can't even believe that this is happening and someone's digging me out. And when you, and as soon as he waited, <laughs> so as soon as he uncovered your mouth, were you just like, I mean, I could, I've sensed, I, I've, it's been a few minutes, a few days since I've actually seen the video. I watched it several times initially, but I remember thinking, I bet that guy is so happy to see this guy. <laughs> oh yeah. It was just joy and, and relief. Um, it, it, yeah, I can't even describe the feeling. I know it was definitely the best breath I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. You know, get, getting like clean, crisp, cold air that isn't, you know, inhibited by your own carbon dioxide, right. your own <laughs> breath and snow and ice crystals going into your lungs as you're breathing. Oh. Yeah. So once you cleared and you can see in the video, you like, you really clears. Uh, the snow around my mouth and, and make sure that I'm okay and I can breathe before he takes a break and then gets the shovel and starts, and starts digging me out. Um, I mean, I was incredibly surprised when I saw who had dug me out. I thought it was my buddies that got back to me, yeah. but to see this com complete stranger, you know, asking if I'm good. Um, yeah. Took me by surprise. Yeah. Cause realistically had your friends, you know, because uh, like I said, like it really is, you can be snowboarding with some friends and you just slow down or take a different turn and boom, they're like so uh, far you can barely even see them. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, you, you, you it, the set, the separation can happen just instantly where you're yeah. a good distance apart. So even if they would have realized like, well, where is he? And would have come back up there. I mean, it would have been several minutes um, oh, from where they were, it would have taken it would have taken an hour for them to get back. They were better off going down the rest of the way, getting back in bounds, taking the chairlift up, and, and then and then yeah. coming back to me and retracing our tracks and doing and doing a search um, with the transceivers. You know, they were you know they're in the process of you know when all this is happening, they're working their way back to me. There were I think two groups that passed. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's hard to visualize th this area, but it's, it's like a thousand plus acres that you can ride, um, you know, from a chairlift and the people that are riding out there are just looking for untracked powder. So, so the fact that there was a person that came in the exact same tracks that I was in and stopped right before they came around the tree and saw me was you know statistically very lucky very, yeah. <laughs> very, 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 very low probability that it yeah if you're a religious see. man you're thinking it's god if you're if you're not religious you're just like man that was a really uh great coincidence or a very helpful just you know lucky deal yeah so while that's and, and while that's happening and francis is digging me out these guys are, are working on you know formulating a rescue and the, and the best way they're they're working their way back to me um, they're asking 
people that passed by in other groups if they saw someone in a turquoise jacket uh, in the trees and and people people had said no and they're radioing up um to ski patrol to to let them know what had happened and and so you know there was a, a rescue that was being formulated but i mean realistically it would have been likely a body recovery sure uh, than anything else I mean, much more time passes I, I mean i think i was down there between you know we're guessing between five and seven minutes yeah and I'll tell you what, that felt like a long time. I bet. I was going to say, I felt like an hour, I bet. Yeah. So how has uh, how has this event, this thing affected you at all? Not just, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not the only person that's contacted you and, and wanted to hear a little bit about your story, but outside of that, like personally, has it given you a new appreciation on life? You still snowboarding? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely a new pre appreciation on life i mean my social interactions i'm i'm much more present with the people that i'm with um food tastes better beer tastes better <laughs> you know every day is beautiful you know regardless we're in the northwest right so it rains a lot and it is gray a lot yeah. so, but you know, every day i'm waking up and just being like oh it is beautiful what a good day. What a good day to be alive. And, I bet. And you have and, a fiance. Yes. Fiance. She would have been real bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure would hope so. <laughs> yeah, man. I have a fiance too. I'm getting married at the end of the month. No, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to you too, man. That's great. When are you guys get married? We don't have a date set. Um, it, you know, it's likely it'll be maybe later end of the summer uh, okay. for, for kind of a small, a small family wedding. And then, um, and then we're going to try to plan some sort of big wedding celebration bash for maybe the following, the following summer. Okay. Well, that's cool. Well, just ironically, I actually am a wedding officiant. So I do about a hundred weddings a year. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I'm here in Kansas city. And so, um, you know, I'm personally getting married at the end of the month. Uh, but what I do and have been doing for the last 25 years is, uh, officiating weddings. So, and I'm not, it's not, I'm not religious. That's a long story, brother, but I, I grew up in a, I grew up religious and then, uh, left, left religion. And I would say, I'm just, you know, an agnostic, a spiritual agnostic person, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. Well, did, did you, are you religious at all? Did you find yourself praying at all or <laughs> uh, no, I did not find myself praying a lot of people in the comment threads have told me that, that, that there was a guardian angel. I'm a spiritual person yeah, for sure. Sure. Um, you know, I believe in a, in a higher power or whatever, whatever that may be. I mean, even if it's just the pure, pure energy, right. Right. But, um, you know, I definitely think that, that there was one person there that was, that was helping guide Francis to me. And, and that was, uh, he was a close friend of mine that died in December up at the mountain in a snow immersion event. He was buried and unfortunately he wasn't rescued in time. He died. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So it was. That was one of the things that I was thinking when I was buried was I'm such a dipshit. I am going to die in the same way 
my friend just died and I didn't learn anything from, from his death. And now I'm going to put our friends through the exact same thing that we just went through, um, you know, with Bill. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that maybe he was up there being like, he's like my uh, fucking friend. I'm gonna have to save his ass. <laughs> he's like, no, not, not today. My friend. And then, you know, <laughs> reached out to Francis and was like, yep, sorry, bud. You got to go this way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, man, I just can't even tell you, uh, how it was just cool. I mean, you know, I, I've never had a, like that kind of a near death experience. I've, I've, I ride motorcycles and I've had many friends die on motorcycles and I've, I had one guy crash right in front of me and, and nearly died. And it just, you know, those kinds of things do have, have an impact on you. You know, you, you start looking at life a little different, start appreciating the people around you and you know, the, it, it just affects you that way. And, and I figured that that's probably, uh, some things that, that happened to you, that this gave you a, a real appreciation for fresh air and, <laughs> and it really does all the wonderful things about life. Yeah, just letting, you know, letting go of all that insignificant stuff, like all the little things, you know, not getting irritated with them and, and trying to be present. We live in a culture now that is just always about, you know, grinding to to make money in the future to set yourself up or, you know, everything is forward looking and and, you know, a lot of times we're not just there living our life and enjoying what we're, what we have and, and what we're actually doing now yeah. in our life. And, and um, so I'm trying to focus on that quite a bit more and, and do things that I have been saying I'm going to do for, for years. And, and, uh, you know, literally this morning we, we bought, uh, Jordan and I bought tickets to, to Hawaii to, to go and introduce her to some of my family that we've been talking about her let's take a quick pause for a commercial break we'll be right back you know we're i mean hopefully not running out of time but but um you know my auntie is is 92 now and she said i better meet this girl before i die so, <laughs> so and and who knows i don't even remember how long ago she said that it was probably five six seven years ago wow well, that's man, that's so cool to hear. And you're you're in the real estate business, is that right? Yeah, yeah, been doing real estate and building for eight years. Um, and you know, I kind of fell into it. Prior to that, I was in hospitality. I was managing restaurants and bars, you know, in different places in the world. And I worked in Australia for a little while, and I ran a bar in New Zealand and South Island for a little while. I was in Southern California, and, and uh, you know, that lifestyle though just kind of takes its toll on your body and I didn't want to be out late anymore. And, and, uh, so I started looking at, uh, you know, different things that I could do to, that would still allow me this similar lifestyle, similar flexibility making my own schedule, taking time off and uh, kind of around that time I was look, uh, evaluating all that stuff. My sister um, asked me to do a real estate course with her. Uh, to kind of keep her on on track because she was interested in in doing some real estate on the side. Long story short, I ended up finishing the course and and passing the test before her. 
and then just kind of jumping into real estate with both feet. I've been doing that Oh, that's really cool. So I'm just curious, yeah. my final question, how did you and your fiance meet? Uh, we met, uh, both our families are, are from Hawaii, from Oahu. And um, we met on the airplane flying from Bellingham to Hawaii. You're kidding me. <laughs> yeah. What, sitting like next to each other, one of those stories? Almost next to each other. It was, it was, it was almost fate, actually. Um, you know, I, I had a friend that worked for the, for uh, the airline and she had a friend that worked for the airline. Um, and so when we checked in, our friends were trying to, you know, give us the hookup and they moved me from, you know, like a middle seat in the middle of the plane somewhere to the emergency exit row. And her friend did the same thing and moved her into the emergency exit row. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, and then, and my brother was traveling with me. So, so actually my brother was plopped in the middle. Uh, she was on the aisle and I was in the window. And so I spent about six hours uh, leaning over my brother and talking to her. <laughs> <the whole flight. laughs> That's awesome. And now was that the start? Was that like from that point you started dating and then just kept going or. Uh, you know, we, uh, after the, we exchanged phone numbers on the airplane and, and uh, you know, I was actually on my way over to the Philippines and went over there to, to visit some friends um, and then reached out uh, when I got back. I think I reached out to her while I was um, over there, but got ghosted and then figured uh, I, would, I would give it a shot again when I got back. And, and, um, and, sh and we connected when, when we got back and she came up and visited up here in Bellingham. And, and, uh, but yeah, that's still an argument to this day, whether, <laughs> whether she actually ghosted me or not. She's like, I never got that text. So I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, congratulations. And, and, uh, just, I, you know, thank God you're alive and, and, uh, your fiance doesn't have to, didn't have to go through that, that kind of a horrendous thing. That was one of the things just because I'm also engaged. That was the first thing when I heard that part, I was like, Oh my gosh, I bet not only is he so excited to, to be able to, you know, see her and be with her, but yet, you know, what a tragedy that would have been and how heartbreaking um, as, as just as a guy that's engaged, that's just, I can't wait. I just absolutely adore my fiance. Uh, that would just really suck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was down there. That was actually my second thought. <laughs> my first thought was, I can't believe that I'm going to die down here and our wills are sitting on our counter unfinished. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then the second thought was like, how devastating it was more of an emotion than a thought, but just like, that the like crushing devastation that I felt knowing that I wasn't going to see my fiance and I wasn't going to see my dogs again. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, well, but brother universe had different plans. <laughs> absolutely, man. And I'm glad that he did for you and for your fiance and for your family and friends and, and, uh, all of that. Well, brother, I really, really, really appreciate your time. And, absolutely. uh, yeah, as soon as this, I'll upload this here in a little bit and I'll send you the, the link to it and uh yeah if you end up needing a wedding officiant brother let me know <laughs> all right perfect i will keep you in mind <laughs> all right man hey have a good one and best of luck to you all right appreciate it thanks uh, tim you bet bye-bye